It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April 10th, 2014. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is away tonight preaching in uh, in Ohio tonight. And in this place, I've asked Eric Reynolds to come from Fayetteville. Eric, welcome back to the program. Good to have you here. Always good to be with you, Jacob. And we were talking before the program. It's probably been about a year since you sat in that chair, if our memory is correct. Yeah, I thought it had had not been that long, but but uh, I think you may be right. And it's good to have you back. And uh, it's not been a year since Anthony sat behind <laughs> the boards. And Anthony, welcome to the program. Thanks. Uh, it's glad to be here. It's been a couple of three weeks, so I'll say. Well, so. I'm going to leave your mic open tonight, and uh, okay. you can uh, you jump in. Many times, hopefully, tonight we'll look forward to your comments on the program. And we'll look forward to hearing from you as well at 877-381-4567. You can email questions at collegeview.com, and you can join in the chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. If you're not signed in, it's easy to do, and some have signed in anonymously. You can do that, and uh, the chat room will assign you a name, and so you don't have to give any personal information, or you can tell us who you are if you like. Jack, Hanner, Henry S., and Arthur are in the chat room signed in under their names tonight, and others will... Filter in there as they come into the study tonight. We'll look forward to hearing from you on the program on a subject uh, that is, well, it's an, it's an interesting topic, I hope. The Noah movie, Eric, uh, I just became aware of it, I guess, within the last week or so, but I think you've been aware of it for some months, uh, knowing that it was coming. Yes, uh, I actually was studying for uh, a sermon on Noah, and I can't remember which I've Realized first if I was studying and then I was doing some research and saw it or something. But somehow it came to my attention back in uh, around the beginning of the year that that they at that time they were just saying they were almost done. Right, but I mean the the advertisements were just that there was a movie about and it was very vague as they usually are. So we really didn't know you know what kind of movie it would be, but it was just uh, other than there was a screenshot of sort of the back of uh, Russell Crowe and um, you know a little bit of a trailer that was you know just showed some a couple of clips, but. You know, it's kind of a, something to look forward to and anticipate, wonder, wondering how it would be at that time. We didn't really know anything about it. And uh, this is something I think they've been working on for several years, and uh, the budget was over $100 million, I think $115 million. Wow. That's amazing. I don't know how you can spend that much money <laughs> on a movie. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, uh, well, the uh, response has not been all that favorable. Man, when it... That opening weekend, I don't know if you're a, a social media kind of person, but uh, Facebook just absolutely... Blew up with Noah. Did it? Oh, man. Every, I mean, just scrolling through Noah, 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 Noah. And, it, and uh, universally, uh, at least for the first few days, it was. I didn't see a positive word about it. So really? It, yeah. Okay. And so a lot of disappointment, and we'll talk about that. We ask you uh, in our questions to you uh, earlier today for your feedback on the movie, and we ask you, uh, what are some misrepresentations of the biblical, uh, biblical account that the movie makes? We'll talk about that. What are some things you believe that the movie presents are not biblical? Let us know your thoughts there. What would be the Christian's response, or what should be the Christian's response to such a movie like this? Anthony, this, or, uh, Eric, this is a broader subject, really. What do you do with movies of this type, not just the Noah movie? How should you respond to it? Should you go watch it? Should you protest it? Uh, should you just abstain? What is your response? And uh, what harm could a movie like this do? Certainly, if there's this much negative feedback, there is a lot of concern about this movie. Not just the very conservative religious folks are upset about it. Religious people in general are upset. So what could be the effect of a movie like this? And uh, for number four is the biblical account to be trusted. We'll get back to what the Bible says about the flood. Can we trust what the Bible says? And if so, how do we know? So those are questions we'd like your response on tonight. So we would encourage you to join in the chat room if you've not uh, sent in your feedback so far, and we'll look uh, forward to hearing from you on the program. And, uh, Eric, uh, this uh, this movie is having a, a response. As you said, uh, Facebook, I guess, blew up with this. A lot of discussion about Noah. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lots of people weighing in, lots of comments coming from lots of directions. Um, of course, probably my Facebook is not a sam- random sampling of the population because a lot of my <laughs> friends are Christians. Okay. And so I'm sure I'm only seeing kind of one view of it. I, yeah. I, I don't really know what um, yeah. sort of the movie critics who don't have a dog in that fight, so to speak, yeah. you know, I don't really know how, how the movie's being received in yeah. that way. But among people who are Bible believers, um, those who have uh, seen it and have commented on it have have all been disappointed, as well, far as I can tell. Yeah, and it does seem to be having an effect. Uh, Anthony, I saw some interesting statistics. Uh, the you have an iPhone. Does the do you have the U version Bible app on it? I don't, Anthony. No, or, or, I, I don't. But I you I, know what it is. I Aunt, might Eric? have to look into it now. Eric, do you have the U version? I don't Bible? have that one. No. Okay. Well, anyhow, they reported that after the opening of the film, there was a three hundred percent increase in the United States. And people going to Genesis chapter 6 to read about the Noah account. So apparently the movie has piqued the curiosity of some folks. They want to go and look. 300% increase, 245% increase globally. Bible Gateway, which Bible Gateway, which is not uh, something you'd use on your phone, uh, showed a 223% uh, increase in look, people looking to that uh, biblical account of, of what uh, the Bible says about Noah. And so uh, it is causing people to have some interest in the, in the account. My first reaction, you know, on seeing suddenly as I'm just scrolling through Facebook, Noah, 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 I thought, well, this is a good thing because, um, you know, just seeing Noah's name all over the place is bound to generate some curiosity. And unlike some stories, I mean, this one is actually um, the whole thing takes place in three chapters or so. So, I mean, it's, it's fairly easy to just go read it and of course, um, you know, that's what I, I hoped that people would do. And those statistics you're pointing at say that there are people who are, um, you know, wanting to go see if the book is better than the movie, I guess. Uh, well, it's, I think we'll see tonight that it obviously is. And so we'll look forward uh, to your comments. Uh, have you seen the movie? And, Eric, we have to be prompt uh, to admit here at the start that neither you or I have seen the movie. Keith in Hendersonville, Tennessee, asked that question. Uh, he just said, just wondering, have you seen it? He has not. We haven't seen it either. And I saw, and I think this is a fair criticism that, um, you know, t- to a certain degree. I saw one of the things, because everybody was commenting on it on Facebook, one of the comments I saw was, I've never seen so much, so many people criticize something they've never, they haven't seen. And it's sort of like, um, you know, people piling on on something and, or, or, you know, about a book they haven't read or about something. And you could say, is it fair to say, can you fairly criticize something? that you've just based on other people's impressions. And I think that's a question that, that deserves to be answered. Um, but I think in the, in this case, with, there's some factual evidence that's available. There are some, you know, uh, information that we can find that's enough for me to decide that I just didn't have any interest in seeing, you know, at the very least. And then, you know, I think there's enough there to have a discussion about it. Um, but I think that, you know, just as Keith's question is, have you seen it? And I think that's a valid question to ask. It is a valid question, but, uh, Anthony, I would contend that you don't have to experience something to be able to condemn it. Uh, you know, I would, I would, we would do that on, on numerous things. Yeah, I don't have to engage in fornication to know that it's wrong. Or right. Or I don't have to... I don't have to go watch pornography to condemn pornography. Right. right. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, there's two sides to it. I mean, I mean, your kids are wanting to go out tonight. They, Dad, I need, uh, I need 15 bucks. We're going to go watch the latest R-rated movie. You said, No, no, son, you're not going to watch. It. Well, I, Dad, have you seen the movie? Do <laughs> you know I shouldn't be going to watch that? R- no, I just have enough sense to know that I don't need to be watching that movie. Right. I mean, okay. you know, and if you're you're basing an opinion on other people's subjective opinions about something, now that might might be questionable. But if we're talking about, like in my case, I was on the um, the imdb.com, the Internet Movie Database website, and read, you know, a synopsis, and uh, you know, so I'm assuming that that's accurate. I don't have any reason to be. You know, falsifying information on that website. So, Anthony, I brought, I printed that very thing out and okay, brought it good. because I, um, did. I was trying to think of a uh, unbiased source for information other than watching the movie. And um, you know, of course, the some of the reviews I'd read were written by Christians, and um, we're biased, and I admit to being biased because we're we're in we're on board with the with the it doesn't line up inspired with accounts. Yeah, right. so that's good. But but uh, these guys, you would assume, who are just sort of summarizing the plot, as you said, this synopsis of the plot, and they do that for all movies. So this isn't like a uh, you know a Christian perspective necessarily. It's just a, a review of here's what the movie's about. And um, I think that 
in and of itself is clear enough to me to give you a sense of what you know what the story's about. Right, and I mean, if we were going to go and do a point by point critique of the movie, then maybe it would be useful to see it. But we're not saying we're not going through point by point here. We're just giving you know talking about the general the general thrust of the movie. Chris in the UK says this may well uh, at time descend into me ranting as I walked out on this film and knowing that you members of the Church of Christ refrain from watching R-rated films and it is 12 here the lowest of the limited certificates mm. but limited all the same. So I don't know how informed this debate will be. Chris viewed the movie and he walked out and his his review and his uh, comments on it will line up with others and will line up with what we've read as well on our own and so I think our our information is accurate here. Chris in the UK went to see the movie and he regrets it and he walked out. I read at least I believe two other reviewers who walked out and you know that's another thing that I think that kind of um, if there was a mixture of opinions where some people were saying it's a good thing and some were saying they didn't like something else you know then you might have to say well I've got people I respect who are on both sides of this. Um, I, I'll have to just, you know, see for myself. And we're not talking about something that's full of, uh, you know, graphic nudity or something that you would be morally opposed to. Right. Right? That's not the problem. But um, if it was something where people were saying, well, I think it's fair uh, and I think it's not, maybe you'd have to see it to have an opinion about it. But this is one of those things where it's cut and dry. near unanimous. Yeah. I did find I did see a friend of mine who had posted a, a review that basically tried to defend the, yeah, the yeah. approach. You know, I guess somebody's got to fill that gap because if everything's over here, somebody's going to write something They're just gonna, to yeah, just to be the just the to be the guy that yeah. says the other thing. But yeah. but um, you know, it, everything I've read all said almost exactly the same. Eight seventy four is in the chat room and uh, eight seventy four watched it. it. Says I watched it but had to walk out after an hour uh, after seeing so much wrong with it. All right, so. 874 lasted for an hour. All right, let's uh, get into uh, the discussion tonight of the questions uh, quickly. Um, well, we might need to take a break before we get into that and talk about uh, some of the things that are wrong with the movie. We'll mm-hmm. compare with what the movie says with the biblical account, and uh, we'll get your comments uh, during that discussion as well. So we we'll look forward to you uh, commenting in the chat room over the phone during the break, 877-381-4567. When we get back, what are some of the things that are wrong in the movie? Eric, you've got some data, I think. Uh, Anthony, hopefully you do as well. I do have some here, and uh, we'll talk about that. We'll take your comments as well. Some things you've heard. Maybe you know some people who've seen it. 874 has seen it. We'll look forward to 874's comments. Uh, uh, Chris in the U.K. has seen it, and we have his comments as well, and we'll look forward to yours as well. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Gracias. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And we welcome you back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We thank you for joining us as we talk about the Noah movie and the controversy that is associated with it. And we want your thoughts. Uh, What are some of the misrepresentations that you've seen or heard from the movie? Chris in the U.K., he's going to be our authority tonight, along with guest 874 in the chat room uh, as well. Oh, 874 is Chris in the U.K., so we've got Chris twice. Mm. It's Chris in stereo tonight. Glad that uh, Chris is here. Um, Misrepresentations. Chris says, well, when the filmmaker calls it the least biblical biblical film ever, Mm -hmm. should we be be surprised that a Jew obsessed with Kabbalism, his film Pi was crammed full of it, and a cast who at best has someone who is spiritual but not religious, that being Emma Watson, he's saying that Emma Watson is the most religious person there who is admittedly not religious uh what did we expect other than a complete rehashing of the narrative and i think we've got a little uh, british lingo there we mm-hmm. wouldn't call it rehashing here we might call it uh slaughtering 
of the of the narrative. Uh, From what I can tell, they spelled Noah's name right. <laughs> and I get, you know, that's the only thing I've seen that bears any okay. semblance to it. Okay, so where did it go wrong? In the Bible, God only speaks, where, uh, as the film, uh, who only refers to him as creator, for woe be it, uh, woe betide it to use the word, the G word, he never speaks, but has Noah doing a load of talking when he is silent in the narrative. And Chris adds, I guess Russell has to earn his money, eh? Mm. Uh, that is one thing that I've I've read over and over again that the word uh, the the term God is never used only Creator and I think that's only once mm. uh, and He never speaks to Noah. That's obviously a, a departure from what the Scriptures teach. From reading this uh, synopsis that Anthony referred to earlier, um, the sense I got and maybe Chris can can you know from the hour that he saw can confirm this. Um, it appears that Noah is for the most part of the movie kind of completely unsure about what he's doing and what God's doing and what he's supposed to do and yeah. and what the plan is and all the way up until the very end he you know it's it's only at it, from what i read in the very closing moments that he comes to terms or you know understands that God was trying to save him and so um yeah that's it's really and, it's hard to even imagine the biblical account Noah knows from the very beginning what's going on and why he's doing what he's doing right cuz so, God God talked to him. Talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> a departure from uh, what the movie has shown. All right. Uh, and he, Chris goes on. What is with the fallen angel rock monsters helping build the ark? Or that only one wife got on board. Oh, and she's barren and a relative of Cain getting on, living off the animals as he goes. The rock angels. I read about this. Um, or the rock monsters. You know, and and I I did I did go and watch the trailer. Have you watched the trailer, Anthony? No, did you, did you, I did not. And and there's a part where they come in to get Noah, and Noah says, "I'm not alone." And that's then that's the end of it. And you assume, well, he's talking about he feels that God's on his side. Well, it comes to find out, it's these rock monsters that are hiding in the background. They're getting ready to go and have you know their way with all these guys. But uh, so there's something going on with the rock monsters. What do you know, Eric? Well, they they take this from a. a um an interpretation of a of a relatively relatively obscure word in the actual Bible account, the Nephilim. Okay. And so I don't know if you want to dive into that now or save it for later or what, but that is an interesting aspect of this story. Dive into it, but don't dive too deep. We've got to go fast. Okay, we'll go fast. Well, in the account um, in Genesis chapter 6, it says, uh, when man, beginning verse 1, man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to him. The sons of God saw the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for his flesh, his day shall be 120 years. The Nephilim, mine says, now if you have the King James or New King James, it's yep. going to say they were giants in the giants, land or something right. like that. Yep. The newer the newer ones, the New American Standard NIV, ESV, which is what I'm reading from, say the Nephilim okay. were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Yeah. So... There's sort of there's a uh, interpretation of this where you let your imagination kind of you know um, I want to say run wild except I, I do know there are some like um, there's different opinions about what this means but one would be like the que- the question who are the sons of God yeah. who are the daughters of men and who are these nephilim I mean that's the basic question yeah. um, one view is that the da- the sons of God were angels yeah. and that the angels came down. And that the, these male angels were attracted to these human females and that they got together and they produced sort of superhumans. Yeah. And that that's what, for instance, Jude and Peter are talking about when they say the angels who did not uh, remain in their proper domain and who were punished for leaving their abode and all of that. Yeah. Um, so there is that view. And I, even Christians, I mean, I've had this discussion with Christians. There are, there are a few. It's a minority opinion. Yeah. But there are people who would who would try to put the puzzle pieces together that way and say that's what it's meaning. But I believe that the um, a more you know the more common sense and and uh, to me the interpretation that's correct is that the Nephilim here are giants or or at least it could be men of renown. The only other time this word is used is in Numbers 13 okay. when the spies came back and okay. they said it says the Nephilim were in the land and that we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Mm-hmm. And so the idea seems to be that there were giants around. Okay. Now again, just looking at the verse. It says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came in the daughters of man. Okay. So 
I'm trying to be quick. You want me to be quick? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going. You're, you're so the, uh, you're failing. But. Yes. I'm sorry. All right. So the Nephilim were there and also later when the sons of God. Yeah. So they're obviously not the, the progeny of the sons of God and the daughters of men. And so the other interpretation is the sons of God are the good guys. Mm-hmm. This descendants of, uh, Seth, you know, who are, who are, um, trying to be what God calling on the Lord and walking with the Lord right. like Enoch. Right. And those are the good guys. And, but then there was these descendants of Cain who were always, uh, going down the wrong path, yep. and that just as we see later in the Bible story, the good guys notice there's some attractive women in the bad camp, right. and that this uh, intermarriage further corrupts man so that yep. it leaves Noah the only one. And that one fits not only this passage but the whole basic tenor of the Bible yeah. much better than um, imagining that these angels came down and produced some kind of superhuman Super race. Yeah. Of, uh, of people, and I think that's the idea of the rock monsters, where these uh, Nephilim, where these they they interpret them to be actual angels who are here um, taking this part in the story. Actually, according to the movie from what I read, the angels are the ones who built the ark. Yep. They fight off the hordes while Noah's getting on, and of course, there's none of that in the in the biblical yep. record. And uh, you know, uh, we got an email from Brad uh, from Athens, and. He, I won't have time to. He 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 sent a link to a, a blog post that that went into this and did a very good job of it, um, in which the author says that this account of no, the Noah that, that is presented lines up perfectly with uh, the Gnostic view and the Kabbalah, Kabbalah views uh, that are presented, even from their their writing and their teachings. And I think the the rock monsters do that. And I also understand that the the movie starts off in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, and before they eat of the forbidden fruit, they are sort of light beings. They're not, they don't actually have flesh, which oh. is also a perfect uh, lining with uh, Kabbalah, which would line up with the director's, perhaps his understanding, his worldview. And so we see some of these things coming through, not necessarily a biblical portrayal of the uh, flood account. So. There's it sounds some, like maybe it was more inspired by that than the Bible. Absolutely. Uh, and it uh, goes on. Chris goes on. There is this weird a talisman thing where they they do with snakeskin, which is wrapped around the arm, admittedly according to tradition used in the Exodus, but this is years if not centuries before. It surely can't mean that the serpent was the good guy in the garden. And they, they got the, the, apparently you've got some facts there that the, the snake shed his skin. From the garden. From the garden. And they yes. still have it. Right. That's what I mean. That's what the synopsis says on IMDb that they uh, they had hung on to this and for some reason valued it. That's hard to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you think you'd burn it? Yeah. But, but they well, it was, either Adam or Eve must have found it and uh, yeah. and taken it with them out of the garden. I wonder. I guess that skin had legs, or maybe it didn't. Well, I, you don't know. Depends on when he shed it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, this thing apparently gives them powers to do certain things. I don't know about that. Okay. All right, uh, and uh, oh, how true is Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Chris says. Uh, worst of all is the huge implication that God used the Big Bang in, bang in evolution and that nature is supreme, much more worthy than human life, both the exact opposite of the biblical position. I'm sure there are more, but I left the film without seeing any more. To say it was, was off, To say it was off and missed the target would be the same as me hitting the corner flag from the penalty spot and saying, oops, I missed a bit. I missed his reference here, but he soccer. clarified. I can football. That, yeah, football. That's right. he, said, soccer. he said, sorry for the soccer analogy. <laughs> so thank you, Chris, uh, for your comments and your firsthand uh, account there. Appreciate that tonight. Lots of things that we're seeing that are wrong with it. Uh, Ramona in Texas has not seen it, but she references the fact that the name God is not mentioned once. It portrays Noah as being distant from God, but Noah right. was a close friend of God. He understood him. Uh, Noah didn't drink hallucinogenic tea to hear God's directions. As served by Methuselah, no one ever, ever had to drink a potion to hear God. They did get something right from what I can tell. Methuselah, in fact, does die the year of the flood. Oh. And, you know, if you if you do the math. Yeah, right. And apparently they show that Methuselah dies in the flood. So. I was impressed that they that made that connection. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, Noah, very small detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to get, I guess, what you can. Uh, Noah's sons had wives. The movie doesn't ex- doesn't have them having wives except one. God tells Noah, you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Genesis 6, verse 18. So there's a definite uh, disparity there. Peter says eight people. That's right. That's right. Uh, there were no stowaways on the ark, such as the evil warlord in the movie. We've got a stowaway. I guess it adds some drama, but it doesn't add credibility if you're trying to 
make an account of the biblical story. Rock creatures didn't help build the ark, as in the movie. They were supposed to be angels cast from heaven, but the Bible says God uh, cast three these disobedient angels into hell, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, not to earth, and they certainly weren't sent here to help mankind. Noah was not a deranged killer, as portrayed in the movie. He threatens to kill his daughter-in-law's child. And I read some of this, a very bizarre, uh, Eric, that uh, he's uh, he's sort of like a uh, uh, environmental extremist. Yes, I, the impression I got from reading review, the, the the reviews by Christians was this this idea that he becomes sort of a murder. He goes on like almost a murderous rampage on the earth. But the the IMDb at least makes a little more sense of that that. According to that synopsis, that he was genuinely confused about God's intention for mankind and thought that this child was, you know, interfering with what God's plan was. So he wasn't trying to just be a horrible person. He was trying to do what he thought God wanted to do. And according to the movie, of course, it has nothing to do with reality. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, uh, he's about to kill the, the 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 baby, and then he can't do it. Yeah, I thought it was kind of telling that on the like I believe the official sort of movie poster has Noah holding a hatchet or some sort of weapon. And, and to me, <laughs> you thought he just, was going to build the ark with it, but he might, well, apparently he was after some. I guess it could have been a, a tool, but it, yeah. it just this very that's the thing to me that it, is the most repulsive is just all the violence and 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 just scariness and uh, and all this stuff although i mean to be fair the bible clearly says that the uh, that the world was full of violence at that time but it wouldn't but noah wasn't you would partaking think, yeah, he was uh, separate from right. that so that's in fact key to the whole thing that yeah the earth was full of violence and noah was different yeah so that kind of completely blends the wrong ideas together uh the uh, descendants of uh, ramona goes on the descendants of adam did not treat the skin of a serpent as a family heirloom as in the yeah, movie yeah. uh and also noah tells in the movie the story of the beginning of the move of the uh, i guess of the earth but it is in evolution terms not the creation and that's mm. one eric that we do see that there, it's, a, it's an evolutionary view of of, of creation yeah at some point we just have to just <laughs> say there's there's Practically nothing biblical, and in the in the movie maker's own words, it was an unbiblical. I don't think he, I don't think he, it's obvious he never set out to make a movie about the biblical account of this. Yeah, it and must have been from this Kabbalah thing. I didn't realize yeah. that. Till, yeah, till. you you need to take this uh, link from from Brad and, right. and have a look at that. Um, and uh, Brad says, uh, even if his claims, the the, the this guy. Uh, the bloggist has made. He says, one thing is for sure. Atheists are like the rest of us. The director of the movie was an atheist. or is an atheist. Each has a worldview, and that worldview works its way into their art, whether consciously or subconsciously, whether it's the lies of evolution, Gnosticism, nihilism, or a skewed view of Christianity. We need to keep a sharp eye and not fall prey to the subtle influence that non-biblical worldviews can have on our thinking, and amen to that, Brad, because Hollywood, entertainers, by and large, almost, I would say, Anthony, what kind of percentage did you put on it? 99? Is yeah. that low? Is that high enough? Yeah. Have Maybe. a view of the world that is not biblical. This is so in your face. People are very quick to, rep- to recognize it. But how many of us are being influenced by it subtly? When And because they're not always so in your face, typically they're trying to be much more subtle. Well, and people will often say, in any story, even if they made a, a movie about your life or whatever, they would add stuff to it to make it a movie. Yeah. So it's almost a given that if you're going to have a movie, they're going to have to fill in some storyline, some dialogue that isn't recorded. But a, a, an interesting contrast would be like the uh, VeggieTales Jonah movie, which I like. Okay. Um, it, obviously, they add some stuff. I mean, it's not, you know, may, and in fact, you could even say there might be parts of it that might even be irreverent because of the, the nature of that cartoon. But you can, in my opinion, when you watch it, here's people who are trying to convey the heart of the story. Like, here's what it's really about. And I've been, I was impressed by how much of it really gets at the, the real issues of the story. And they did it, I think, with a respect for the, the point of it. Yeah. Know? And while adding some dialogue and silliness and all that. But this is something that's totally different. That he's not trying at all, in any sense, to try to get at the heart of this yeah. account. I like what Brad said, though, because these these things can influence our thinking subtly. 
And it, it just takes a little bit, a little bit over time, and we're very far away from what God would have us to be. Jim in Kentucky says, I have not seen the movie, have no desire to see it, even if it were hailed by Christians as worthy. I do not attend any R-rated films, no matter the subject. Thank you, uh, Jim, for that. Is uh, it R-rated? I think it's PG-13, but I could be wrong. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it. Okay. It, yes, it is. And It's R-rated? No, PG-13, okay. but I, just, I was looking at that, and, you know, well, thankfully they at least kind of give you some hints as to why, but I, I just sort of appalled by the suggestive themes. Well, the PG-13 the movie. movies have yes. the same uh, they have the same respect for me that R-rated movies do. But, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, um, but, so, there you yeah. go. All right. Um, uh, Jack says, I read the Nephilim are given significant roles. We're told that they're angels who are made into rock-like creatures as punishment for helping humans after the fall. It's said that God has rejected them and refuses to let them return home even when they die. But after they helped Noah, we watched them zoom up to heaven in a beam of light, finally accepted back into the Creator's good graces. So Only to appear later when the spies go in the land, I guess. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, and uh, uh, 874 references uh, uh, answers in That's Genesis. Chris, That's Chris. That's right. I need to, <laughs> you know, I got to do my equations here. Uh, yeah. The answers in Genesis does a good critique of the film and its flaws. I appreciate that, uh, Chris. And I, and I have seen that, and it is good. Um, uh, Anthony, uh, yeah, okay, uh, let's see. Jack also says, a magical seed he gives Noah, he says it's from the Garden of Eden, produces when planted a flow of water and then an entire forest of trees into a barren plain. Hmm. Oh, Methuselah gives Noah this magical seed. Mm-hmm. Didn't read about that. Uh, Chris says, Methuselah means when it when I die it will come. That is correct. Methuselah's name is prophetic. I didn't know that. It does. When he, when he is dead, then it will come. I think is what the uh, the word mean the the name means. And wow. Do the math. Really? Yes, absolutely. Um, and so uh, that's really neat. Yep. So a little prof- pro- prophecy there. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I think that's gets us close to the end. Um, oh, guess three forty three says the Ten Commandments is shown every on TV every year around Easter, and it is full of errors. Thank you for that. And Not the Ten Commandments, but the movie. The movie, that's correct. All right, uh, let's get a break. And uh, when we get back from the break, we'll continue. We've got to ask the question. We've talked about all this, uh, about the errors of the movie. We could go on and on, but I think it's very clear there's lots of problems. We need to have a more uh, general discussion. What should a Christian do about a movie like this? What should be our response? Uh, we'll get your thoughts on the other side. Should we go watch the movie? Should we protest the movie? What should we do? Let us know your thoughts in the chat room. 877-381-4567. We're back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can also find archives of past virtual Bible study programs there, and you can find our uh, podcast of recent sermons that have been presented to the College U Church of Christ. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can contact us at any time with any questions about what we believe, what we practice, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. We also encourage you to use that email address to send in your suggestions or your requests for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study. And if you would like to come and worship with us, you can find out more about our meeting place and our times of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Eric Reynolds has been kind enough to come from Fayetteville to join us on the program tonight as we talk about the Noah movie. And we've seen numerous errors. We don't have time on the program tonight to talk about all of them. But the director's way off. He, uh, the, there are numerous misrepresentations. Chris goes as far as calling it blasphemous, and I think I would agree. Um, and um, so the question is, what should be the Christian's response to a movie like this? Should we go watch it? Should we protest it? Should we abstain from watching it? 
Chris says, uh, well, it depends on your view of blasphemy, but I would say it is blasphemous. By that, I am defining it as saying this is what God says when he says nothing of the sort or even the opposite at times. And this can happen from pulpits, too, as scriptures are ripped from their context and giving any meaning they like and saying it's from God. We are to deal with truth. We are to know it and to study it and to show ourselves as men who need not to be ashamed. So our Christian's response to this, we ask the question, should a Christian go watch the movie? Chris says, alas, I regret giving the filmmakers my tenor. That's a little British there for his money. Uh, that will encourage them to make more of these travesties. Along with the Bible miniseries and the subsequent Son of God movie, both completely abhorrent in their use of Scripture, it alarms me with those just happy that their story is being put on the big screen, unaware that it is confusing people, not informing people as to the real story. So we need to know the real point out, uh, re- the, know the real to point out the flaws of the fake out there. That brings up, and it, he brings up an interesting topic, and the, to me, that's this is the whether we go all the way back to the uh, Veggie Tales Jonah, you know, which ad, adds some things to it that obviously aren't in the record, but I felt like was, you know, pretty true to the intent at least. All the way through, and then this Bible miniseries he brought up. Somebody that a friend of ours bought the a box set of the DVDs, and he brought them over, and we watched them with the kids. We didn't finish the whole thing, but uh, we would stop it and we would talk about when. Uh, now see that now. Do you remember that? Was that in the Bible? We would talk about it, so we sort of used it as a, as a discussion point. You know, yeah. Um, I could understand and respect somebody who would say, you know what, it's not right, and I'm not going to watch it. Um, I know people, I saw a, a preacher friend post that he was going to go see the movie so he could comment intelligently about it and discuss it with people, you know. So it's not, to me, I don't know how, I don't know, we haven't discussed it already. We, didn't we haven't discussed, it. no, you're, you but, don't uh, know where I stand. I wouldn't say it's a black and white thing. I think that it sort of depends on, um, you know, it depends on maybe your reason for going and, uh, you know, there, there could be some other things. To my opinion, after I saw so many negative reviews, uh, the way I put it uh, to some friends was that, uh, you know, sometimes the kids like to find something that smells really awful, and they'll smell it. Oh, that's terrible! And they'll pass it. You know, oh, that's terrible! And they all smell it. I don't want to smell it. If, <laughs> if I know everybody says it stinks, because they says it's gross. Yes, <laughs> I, I mean I'm, I'm I take your word for it. You know? If you tell me it's terrible, they, the kids will do this at home. I don't know if your kids do this. Like this is awful. Taste it. No. If you, if you tell me it's terrible, I'm fine. I don't have to taste it or yeah, smell it to yeah. know that it's awful. Yeah. And this is one of those things where if all my friends say it's awful then I'm fine with just saying, hey, if it's terrible, why would I want to subject yeah. myself to it? All right. Uh, Anthony, I don't know if you have an opinion on this. What do you think? No, I mean, I, I think Eric kind of, you know, hits hits it well. I think, um, you know, it depends on what your motive would be. But, I mean, I think at this point in, you know, a movie this big and with all the media coverage, I mean, it's pretty obvious what the point of the, the you know, that the movie is, you know, is not even attempting to, to be biblical at all. And it's, you know... Uh, I can't really see a whole lot of point in seeing it. I mean, I guess if someone wanted to see it so that they could specifically address questions about it, maybe. Right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not faulting anybody for doing that, but I certainly might. I w- would not see it. But I will throw in. On the other hand, I, we did go see the God's Not Dead movie. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but it is an, an a movie that that is very overtly Christian, quote unquote. Um, and had some beneficial things to it, but it it was of course full of all kinds of denominational doctrinal errors and things, uh, which, as you point out, Eric, gave our family a great opportunity to talk about those and highlight those. And uh, my kids actually said, you know, I I you know I've heard sermons about these kind of denominational things, but. I didn't realize they really, really thought that, you know, it didn't seem to be that people really believe that stuff. And seeing this movie and, and interacting with people at school, too, they've come to realize that, yeah, people really, you know, hold to these beliefs. So, All right. I'm going to have a little bit different view than you guys. Uh, and I do, uh, I do admit this is a, a matter of judgment. Uh, I'm going to reference Ephesians 5, verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Let's, let's do it this way. Let's say that uh, the director of this movie, what's his name? Uh, Aronofsky or something. Darren Aronofsky or something. I'm not sure I'm saying that. Let's say say Darren comes to you and and says, Eric, if you'll pay me $15, I'll tell you a story about Noah that is absolutely, call it blasphemous, 
nothing like God wants, you know, nothing like what God has said. I'll tell you this. It's totally a figment of my imagination. It's got all kinds of untruths in it. I'll come and pay you. If you'll pay me 15 bucks, I'll come do it. Or what if, you know, what if the whole, what if the whole church said, you know, he said, listen, if everybody in the church will come pay me 15 bucks, I'll come stand up in the pulpit and I'll, and I'll, and I'll tell you this, this story. Would you do it? No, oh, you wouldn't. Easy. But isn't that what you're doing when you go pay your 15 bucks? You're giving the money to this Mr. Darren, whatever his name is, and to the people who made the movie and said, here, tell me the story. And for that, for that, to that extent, I'd say no. I don't. I don't. I, w- I don't want to support that. And that's along the lines of what Chris has said here. He, he hates that he's given him the money. Right. He's paid him to do that. Same thing with any immoral entertainment. All right. I mean, you, you come and uh, you come and you tell me, you know, tell me curse words and tell me profane profanities and and vulgar jokes and stuff, and and I'll pay you that. Well, that's what you're doing when you go to these R-rated movies. You're paying them. You're you're rewarding them. You're, uh, you're enabling them to continue to do that. And so I say we've got to be careful about what we do for entertainment and who we give money. So that's uh, that's my take on it. You can sign in with the chat room with your thoughts as well. Uh, what would a, what should a Christian do? Um, is it wrong for a Christian to view the movie? Chris says yes, but how can you critique something you have no knowledge of? That is the problem we have. Of course, it is so ungodly it can go without viewing. I know without seeing it that the exorcist is not going to have any biblical truth in it without watching it. But with Bruce Almighty, for example, there is is untruth. But without the absolute bombardment of my, on my conscience from all sides, pray before you go and eat the meat, but spit out the bones. Alas, Noah was virtually just bones, uh, though the ark is accurate, but little less. Ramona uh, says Christians should refrain from viewing it, but should study up on it so they show others its errors, set the record straight. And uh, apparently, there's going to be a lot of discussion about this movie. It seems. Anthony, we probably do want to be aware of it so we can talk with others. True, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to me, I mean, this movie, when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, maybe this was going to be a serious attempt to maybe, I don't know, a somewhat serious attempt at the story just in a cinematic way or whatever. But it became pretty obvious that this is really just, I don't know, I think, I, you know, the word blasphemous does come to mind. I mean, it's just, it's a... It's an, an exploitation, really, of a, taking a story out of the Bible and just trying to make millions of dollars off of it with a bunch of, you know, Hollywood-isms and violence and and suggestive themes and all this stuff. I just, yeah, there's no way. All right, Christians need to understand, this is Jim in Kentucky, that Hollywood is not necessarily interested in telling the truth as much as they are interested in using artistic license to make a movie entertaining. Christians, therefore... Should not be surprised when a movie that pretends to be Bible-based strays from the truth in the interest of entertainment. Good observations, Jim. Thank you, Eric. What was we haven't discussed this either? So, uh, what have you have you had any thoughts, either of you guys, on the movie The Passion of the Christ? Uh, I, I would, uh, I would, I didn't watch it, and had no desire to watch it. Anthony. I I don't know. I, my house is kind of divided on this topic. Uh, uh, you know, my my wife doesn't doesn't feel comfortable watching people represent, especially watching someone represent Jesus or deity. And I, I get that. Um, personally, I've been interested. If it was just me, I would maybe check it out. Although I would try to research it first. I don't really know much about what's in it. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, if it's attempting to be accurate in representing a Bible story, I, there's there's lots of different sides to the argument on it. But I certainly, you know, respect people's different opinions on that. They're asking for the Anthony Cam tonight, Anthony. So you better make them happy. <laughs> I, uh, so, mm-hmm. Yeah, Wade uh, says I did watch an interview with Russell Crowe on one of the morning shows. He seemed to think that people's position on the film would change once they had seen the movie. I thought about seeing the movie after I watched his interview until I started listening to some of the things that were in the movie, and then Wade has changed his mind. Guest 74, then, oh, well, he's talking about you, uh, Aunt, uh, Eric. He says you'd had a blast with that miniseries, The Bible, because you couldn't move the, the er- movie for errors in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly, uh, okay. Um, Russell Crowe said uh, that it would get people talking about the scripture and discuss, discussing yeah. it. Um, 874, Chris says. Well, here people, we are, right? Yeah, right. Chris says people won't care as long as it's entertaining. That's why the likes of Rob Bell and uh, Joel Osteen can get away with so much. Well, there you go, Chris. Uh, You may have hit home there. 
And uh, Chris says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And certainly we see that people are uh, destroyed. I saw a survey I've seen before, but uh, a good number of people believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Uh, That's how much people know about uh, the scriptures, and that is a shame. Um, And uh, Jack says, we must do a better job of limiting all kinds of evil from our lives. Can't disagree with that. And I thought about, you know, the statistic you had earlier, 300% uptake on that Bible thing on this story. Mm-hmm. If I understand the number right, that's three times normal, right? And so yeah. how many people are normally reading about Noah? I would almost I would almost be positive that all those people were Christians or Bible believers, you know, practically. So three times isn't a ton when you figure that there's not a ton of people probably reading that story at any given time. Just the fact you say the word Noah, there's going to be enough Bible believers that are going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go read about Noah. And the sad thing is probably many people in the world aren't going, probably, A, wouldn't know what book to begin to look in. Yeah. And and aren't going to take the time. So that's the one that when we talk about the dangers of it, there's some of these these, uh, inaccuracies are just left out there, and um, not everybody will take the time to go see if it's accurate. All right. When we get back, Eric, we ask some questions about the actual story, the actual account of the flood. Can we believe it? Mm. We've got to get to that when we get back. You've got some excellent comments about the flood. We need to, we'll go through them quick when we get back. Let's take a break. We'll go to the top of the hour after this. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue after these messages. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour. We're going to go fast here. You've got some good comments here on the real Noah, the Noah of the Bible. And there's some valuable lessons for us to learn. We won't learn the lessons in the movie. Don't go to the movie. Right. Don't watch the movie expecting to learn what God wants you to learn about the account. For sure. Uh, or the lessons he wants you to take from it. But uh, we look to the Bible and we see some incredible lessons that we need to learn and we need to apply in our day and age. Not as bad as Noah's time. It's bad. But it's not as bad as Noah's time. And therefore, we can be like Noah. We can be found righteous in God's sight. Amen. I think the... Uh you know the the story begins in if we're going to just kind of briefly go through the what we can the real point of the real story the true thing is that uh, mankind became incredibly wicked probably worse than they've ever been since um, to the point that it says that their thoughts were only evil continually mm-hmm. and the 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 result of that was as we mentioned earlier when something Anthony brought up about violence it says the world was filled with violence yeah and so. Um, you know, I think you see a, a spectrum over here is, is uh, what God expects of us, which is that we are loving, we're kind, we're thoughtful, mm-hmm. um, forgiving, we speak the truth. Way over here is the opposite of those things, which is where I, I take whatever I want, I harm people, murder, rape, you know. And you get a picture of that when you think of like Sodom. Mm-hmm. Not only did they have this perverse desire, but they were very violent about it. Mm-hmm. And that's way over there on the other extreme. I, and and uh, I think we in our society right now are kind of in the middle and sliding that way yeah that i i don't feel afraid to walk down the street in my neighborhood at night mm-hmm. that i'm going to be attacked by some roving group of people that mm-hmm. you know but but we are between those two and we're kind of moving that way but in noah's day it had gone way to the extreme 
and God decided to wipe them out. That's right. And in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, sons of God, saw the daughters of men were attractive, they took their they took as their wives as any they chose. Verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever for his flesh. Uh, he is flesh, his days shall be 120 years. Uh, the wickedness of the earth, of the earth was uh, great. In verse 5, Every intention of, of man's heart was only evil continually. Right. In verse 11 and 12, the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. The earth saw the earth that it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted their way. And verse 6 of chapter 6, it, the Lord regretted that he had made man. Now, that's how bad it can get on the earth. But the important thing to note here is that God notices. Oh, yeah. And and so we can, we, we're troubled in our heart when we see the wickedness of the world today. We can take confidence in the fact God sees it too. And it bothers him like it bothers us. It bothers him. We should It should bother us like it bothers him at least. And uh, we can be confident that he knows what's going on. We, you remember that said of Lot that it, uh, in, you know, in his day, that it vexed his soul or he, he was tormented. Yeah. because of the wickedness of the people around him, and I'm sure Noah was as well. Being, uh, On the other hand, the encouraging thing is that even in a society completely given over to wickedness, you can have, you can still choose to walk with God and do the right thing. That's what Noah as did. As Noah did. Right. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And as a result, God sees Noah and he sees the rest of it, and he decides he's going to wipe everybody out, but he's going to have grace and mercy for Noah. And parallel with us today. Right. He can have. We can find grace in uh, in the sight of God. We can have favor in God's eyes, and He will preserve the righteous today. And in a preview of how God just works with mankind, He reveals Himself to Noah. Mm-hmm. He reveals His intention to punish the wicked, mm-hmm. and He reveals His desire to save Noah. Yeah. And He reveals what He wants Noah to do. Mm-hmm. And that is, you could just take that little thing, and it just repeats itself throughout the Bible. That God says, "I'm going to punish the wicked." You could, we could. Uh, I keep mentioning Lot. I'm coming to destroy the city. You got to get out and don't look back. But it's, you know, and the same thing is true of us. That God says there's a day coming when I'm going to punish the wickedness of the world. But here's how you can be saved from it, and here's what you need to do. And that's God's revelation of Himself and His desire and His will and His intentions yep. to uh, to people. And that's part of God being gracious, right? Because right. there's no way Noah could know that unless God revealed it to him, or what he needed to do, or anything. And that's the grace of God. All right. Uh, and so we see that uh, that Noah is our example. God uh, work, dealt with Noah similar to how he deals with us today. He doesn't talk to us personally. Uh, it does talk to us through the scriptures, and he's laid out uh, the requirements for us. And so he gave Noah a plan. He mm-hmm. said, uh, build a boat. Um, Hebrews 11 says something interesting. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Noah yep. was 500 years old. Yep. And, well, when uh, so his kids were born, he was 600 when the ark, somewhere in there God appears to him. Yeah. And in 500 or so, let's say, years of living, and that's a long time, yeah. he'd never seen the world covered in a flood. Yeah. And he may never have seen it rain. Yeah, that seems to be the implication. There is some, uh, maybe some consideration, the fact that it may have never rained. Needless to say, he'd never seen a flood like that. But he believed. He did believe. And even today, people don't believe the yeah. same account. But Noah believed. Yeah. And... So it says, by faith, being warned of God, in reverent fear, mm-hmm. he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. So there's, you see God's grace, you see Noah's faith, he was saved by grace through faith, just like we're saved by grace through faith. But you know what? He had to be obedient. And what an act of obedience it must have been to build an ark like that. People today will debate whether grace requires obedience or not. I don't think Noah debated that very long. It doesn't seem like They it. didn't have Black and Decker back then either. Can uh, you imagine? Or stone creatures. Or stone creatures. Uh, Anthony, I, I'm not a very good carpenter, but uh, I got better tools than Noah had. Yeah, it is kind of hard to fathom. But, um, but you know, again, you know, God certainly could have could have helped him in, in ways that we can't really understand or grasp. Well, that's true. Um, I think, in fact, he must have, and unless Noah knew something we don't know, because from what I from what I've read to this day, you can't build a wooden boat anywhere close to that size. Okay. It's like well beyond the largest wooden boat people can build. It's just it, it exceeds the capabilities of shipbuilders to build a wooden boat that big with all the techniques we would have today. Um, and I think, again, though, it's no surprise, and it doesn't even really surprise me that, I mean, would we have imagined that 
that God wasn't working through Noah to save him as it was. He, he needed Noah to obey, or he wanted Noah to obey, but God was going to make sure that, that it was successful. And, uh, well, tell us about the flood, Eric. Does he open the windows of heaven and the yep. fountains of the deep? Yep. And in an interesting, uh, from a literary point of view, he undoes what happened in creation. All right. So in the very first days of creation, it said the, the earth was covered in water. Yeah. And God caused a ferment to separate the waters above and the waters below. Yeah. And he made the dry land to appear. Yeah. And now he's undoing all that. The yep. fountains of the deep burst forth. The windows of heaven open up. The waters rejoin. And the land is again submerged. And we're back to like we were on day one, except... There's this little pod floating around yep. with all of the life that God had created in days one through six. That's a representative sample of it. Yep. And um, then, just like in creation, when the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and he caused the waters to be separated, it says God blew and caused the waters to recede. And here comes the dry land again. And here comes the people again. He starts over. He starts over and he told them, be fruitful and multiply, which is exactly what he told Adam and Eve. So it's basically like a complete, just a reset. For the whole planet. Unbelievable. I saw a painting of a, uh, somebody had tried to represent this, and it, it showed a, a barren mountain, and at the head, there was a long line, of, there's Noah and his family, and all these animals behind him coming down from where the ark had come to rest. So it's kind of a neat thing to imagine as they disembarked and, and headed down the mountain to start over. Yeah. What an amazing day that would have been. Yes, it would have been, and to have uh, witnessed Anthony God's uh, salvation. Uh, would have been uh, an amazing thing, right? I mean, I think the whole the whole um, experience is just something that is really mind boggling um, and just amazing. And I, you know, about the, the, I think I really like the way Eric ties in the, um, you know, the creation comparison to the to the water and the flood. And I was um, listening to a sermon online the other day, and I hadn't heard about this, but the recent scientific discovery where the, the researchers were talking about how, oh, we we now have evidence that there's just tons and tons and tons of water under you know deep under the earth uh, that we didn't really know or we thought maybe was there, and now we have evidence that, yes, it is there, and uh, which doesn't, I'm not saying it confirms beyond, you know, some... 100% confirmation thing, but it jives with the fountains of the deep that we read about in this account as well. Uh, the, that, all that water couldn't have just come from from the, the rain. I mean, and it clearly it tells us where it came from. So, all right. And uh, and Eric, finally, as we wrap it up tonight, uh, the way that Noah was saved it does parallel salvation that we can experience through uh, Christ today. And we didn't draw that conclusion on our own, Peter. First Peter chapter three said he compares our salvation to to Noah's salvation when That's he right. says that just as in Noah's day when a few that is eight people were saved uh, by water that uh, in the like figure baptism now saves us. First and Peter First Peter chapter three verse eighteen for Christ also suffered once for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but being made alive uh, by the Spirit by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Who formerly were disobedient when the once the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight souls were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. References there uh, Noah and the flood. He was saved by water. That is a type of uh, the salvation that we enjoy through Christ today that, uh, through the waters of baptism. And when you think about what was buried under that water was this whole sinful world. Yeah. And then when the waters receded, there was a brand new world. Yeah. And in the same way, we bury an old man of sin under the water. And when we come out, as Paul says, we're a new creation. And so we go through a recreation, a starting over, a second birth through that baptism, exactly as the world went through a rebirth through the flood. And and it all just kind of lines up perfectly. Well, lots of things we can learn from the biblical account of Noah. Lots of things that we can't learn and we don't need to learn from the movie, the Hollywood account of Noah. Uh, it's been a good discussion tonight. Uh, Anthony, uh, very troubling and uh, and alarming. Uh, it's in our face, but Hollywood's doing a lot of other alarming things that may not be so in our face. We've got to be aware 
of what, uh, what, what's entering our mind. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's a very important message to take out of this is, you know, it may be that some people are taken in by this Noah movie, but, but they're certainly being taken in by more subtle messages uh, in, in plenty of other films. Eric, thank you for coming over tonight. Uh, a good discussion. Um, I've learned a lot, and I uh, appreciate you coming over tonight. Thanks for inviting me. Good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word in the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.